So guys, we're in Luke chapter 9. I'm going to start in verse 51. I'm going to read through 56, but I'm going to do something a little different. So uh, who reads their Bible? You, you have an NIV Bible. Is that you? I typically preach out of the NIV, so that's probably you. That's awesome. I love you. Follow along. I'm not reading from the NIV today. Um, and so I'll just a little breakdown. So the NIV is, I, the reason I love the NIV, it's a thought-for-thought translation. Meaning that it usually gets the big picture, and it's going to give you the real meaning of the big picture. Uh, and so it's a thought for thought. Uh, but sometimes when you study a particular passage, what you can lose in the thought for thought translation is the actual words and phrases that appear on purpose. And in today's text, there is a, a phrase that is repeated twice, and you can't find it in the NIV. Uh, but in the original language, it's there. And so I'm just going to choose a translation. Uh, I chose the ESV that, that is more of a word-for-word translation because it's going to pick up on uh, that phrase that's going to be very important to our study tomorrow, this morning. Does that make sense? Everybody good with that? Okay, so we're going to read it on the screen. So it's Luke 9, 51 through 56 uh, in the English Standard Version. It says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up... He set his face to go to Jerusalem, and and he sent messengers ahead of him who went, and they entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Uh, But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? It's a good Christian response, isn't it? Uh, But he turned and he rebuked them. And they went on to another village. Now, uh, when we look at passages like this, and, and really when we study any passage, the thing that, we, that, that I look for as your pastor is I want to identify what are the main ideas of the text? What are the main themes? And there's really three uh, big things that should stand out to you when you hear that, that passage, right? So the first is, it, it says it twice, uh, and I'm not on observations yet, but the, but the first main idea is just that, that Jesus set his face, right? It says that he set his face towards Jerusalem, and then it says that they, you know, and then his face was set. So it mentions the same phrase twice. So that's probably important. So just kind of keep that in your mind. Jesus had his face set to Jerusalem. The second thing is the Samaritans rejected him. Anytime somebody rejects Jesus and I'm studying the gospel, I'm like, well, why'd that happen? What's going on? And so that's kind of a big deal. And then the disciples respond to their rejection in that great Christ-like fashion. So those are kind of the three main ideas. And now let's kind of address what those means for us. And we'll break those down through our observations. And here's the first thing I want you to see this morning, okay? God must be set on his plan. Okay, God must be set on his plan. And, and again, we, we use this translation for, for, for a very important reason because it shows us a phrase that, that actually appears in the original language, which is Greek. And in the Greek, it says this twice. It says, Jesus set his face for Jerusalem. And then it says that they rejected him because his face was what? Set to Jerusalem. His face was set to, to, to Jerusalem. Now, why does Luke put something in twice? Well, here's the deal, guys. Uh, in, in those languages, Hebrew or Greek, there are no exclamation points. There's no bold and there's no way to underline. So there would be no way for Luke the author to bring emphasis to something if he didn't uh, repeat himself. So he repeats himself with this phrase, Jesus set his face, and he does it twice because it's really important. You see, Luke 9.51, guys, uh, represents a massive change in the Gospel of Luke. Okay, at this point, what Luke is trying to say is Jesus has changed direction. Jesus has changed course. Jesus is set on a new goal, right? He he, he is set in a new direction. He is set on a new course. He is set for Jerusalem. He's set now for the cross. That's what's in Jerusalem. Jesus is completely focused on the cross and what's about to come. 
And guys, that's what Luke 9.51 is. It's a transition point. Up till this point in the Gospel of Luke, our author has focused on the works of Jesus, right? All about the works. It's about the miracles. It's about the healing. It's about the blessing that Jesus brings. That's, that's everything in Luke up until Luke 9.51. But here, there's a transition. And now it's going to be a focus not on His works, but on His words. From now on, it's going to be about the teachings of Jesus. So why the change? Why the change? Why the shift? Why is Jesus now just teaching and not doing all the other stuff? Why is that happening? Well, according to Luke, it's happening because Jesus has set his face. He's focused. He's focused on what? He's focused on the cross. He has set his face on the plan of God. He has set himself upon becoming the payment for sin. He has set his life on bringing salvation for all who would believe. You guys represent that, by the way. It's pretty cool. That starts in Luke 9.51. You're here this morning. We did this baptism thing because Jesus set his face on the cross. And this decision, I want you to know this morning, it it was costly to him. For me, Luke 9.51 and the transition that follows, understanding it cost Jesus something, um, it, it reminds me that Jesus was, was fully God, but he's also fully man. He was human, right? This is not going to be easy, is it? Is Jerusalem going to be an awesome experience for Jesus? Right? The crowds that shout Hosanna the next week are going to shout, Crucify him! Crucify him! Right? I mean, the Son of God who is without sin is going to be beaten, spat upon. I mean, he's going to go through a mockery of a trial. His own disciples are going to deny him. This is, what's, what's head, this is why when Jesus go, gets to Gethsemane, the night that he's going to be betrayed, he's sweating drops of blood, and he's crying out, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. It's this powerful moment of prayer, because Jesus says, even though I want you to take this cup from me, yet not my will, your will be done. And hear me, listen, that powerful moment doesn't happen without this powerful moment in Luke 9.51. If Jesus doesn't set his face on the cross... Gethsemane doesn't happen. If he doesn't set his face on the cross, Jerusalem doesn't happen. If he doesn't set his face on the cross, Calvary doesn't happen. God has to be set on his plan. His plan is so massive, it requires so much that God has to be set on it. He has to be sold out to it. And friends, I'm just going to submit to you, if the Son of God, if God in the flesh has to be sold out and focused on his plan for the plan of God to be fulfilled in his life, how much greater do we have to be set on the plan of God? Amen? We'll talk about that in a second. Second thing, okay? So the first thing, Jesus has set his face. That was our first main idea. The second main idea was the Samaritan's rejection. So here's the second thing I want you to see. We've got to understand that God's plan is better than our own. We must understand that God's plan is better than our own. So so the first one, Jesus setting his face. The second theme is, uh, or main idea is the Samaritan's rejection of Jesus. And the question you're meant to ask is why? Right? Why why are the Samaritans rejecting, rejecting Jesus? Is it because he's Jewish? And they're Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans, by the way, were kind of like the Jews saw them as half-breeds. They had settled amongst the people of the land. They weren't fully Jewish. So is this like a is this like a racial thing? Is that what's going on? Do they reject Jesus because because of a racial thing? Uh, Maybe they reject Jesus because of a history of hurt. 
right? Because the Jews were, were very unkind to the Samaritans. They were always unkind to the Samaritans. And so maybe the Samaritans who, who often traveled through Samaria to get to Jerusalem, they were very unkind to the, the, the places they stayed. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's a history of hurt that's going on. But Luke says, no, 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 no that's not really it. And Luke identifies the reason. What is the reason that they rejected Jesus? Ready? Because Jesus had set his face on Jerusalem. The Samaritans didn't reject Jesus because he was a full-blood Jew. And they didn't reject Jesus because the Jews had hurt them. They rejected Jesus because Jesus had changed. They rejected Jesus because Jesus' focus was different than what it was up until this point. Right? See this with me. They wanted the pre-Luke 9.51 Jesus. The Samaritans wanted the healing. They wanted the blessing. But they didn't want the cross. Right? That's the point. A a lot like American Christians today. Everybody wants the blessing. Everybody wants the healing. But nobody wants the following. Nobody wants to deny yourself daily and take up your cross. And that's what's going on in this passage. They had a plan for their life. Their plan, what they wanted was blessing. And let's be honest. Who here doesn't want to be blessed by God? Anybody? Right? No! Like, who, who instead would like say this morning, God, I could use a double portion today. Amen? Right? Come on, come on. Who's like, Lord, I'm, I'm digging like a cistern to store it up. I need, I need some extra in my life today. That's what I, like, that's most of us, right? And so I understand this, but here's the deal. They reject Jesus because they want healing and they want blessing. So they reject Jesus. Now here's the deal. This is what they didn't understand. True healing and true blessing can only come through the cross of Christ. True healing and true blessing can only come through the cross of Christ. So they had a plan. Their plan was Jesus has come. He's going to heal us of all our sickness. He's going to bless us. We're going to be better, right? And, but God had a better plan. Right, And so God said, I want to give you not just temporary healing, not just temporary blessing, but I want to give you eternal healing and eternal blessing. And so they're looking for the pre-Luke 951 Jesus. Jesus is saying, to give you what you need, I've got to go to Jerusalem. And they don't get it, and so they reject him. Here's the great, great news of this passage. You know, God still blesses them eventually. Jesus does go to Jerusalem, and he does die on the cross for the sins of all that would believe. He is buried and he does conquer death and rise on the third day. And then for 40 days, he hangs out and he proves that he's alive. At one point, he shows up to over 500 people in one location. So many so that Paul says, you don't believe me. Just ask any of those that were there that day. Right? The gospel is true. Jesus really is alive. He really did ascend to heaven. And, and so then the Holy Spirit comes and in the book of Acts and, and the church breaks out in Jerusalem. And, and now there's there's there's. 3,000, and now there's 5,000, now there's 6,000 people. And, 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 and the Jews don't handle this well, and so they persecute the church, and, and they spread out running for their life. And one of the guys running for their life is a guy named Philip. And do you know where Philip stops? In Samaria. And he preaches the gospel. And again, thousands get saved, and a thriving church is planted in Samaria. They wanted healing. And they wanted blessing, but they wanted physical healing and physical blessing. And God said, I've got a better plan for you. But my better plan involves the cross. You get it? Okay? We have to understand that God's plans are always better than our own. Because He is a good God. Number three. Number three. 
I want you to see this morning that we must love and care for those who reject His plan. We must love and care for those who reject His plan. So Jesus sets His face. The Samaritans reject Him. And then the followers of Christ, the disciples, respond. And how do they respond? Love this. I put it on the screen for you. It's beautiful. And when his disciples, James and John, remember they're called the sons of thunder, okay? I'm just kind of giving you a primer. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's, that's wonderful. Terrible, terrible response. I mean, basically, here's, here's the redneck version of that, right? Lord, you want us to take them out? Like, I mean, that's it. We'll take them out, Lord. We'll take them out to the shed. We'll do it. Yep. I didn't have a spit cup. That's what it is. Probably the worst response of a follower of Christ that you could ever imagine, right? Somebody rejects Jesus, they reject His love, and so your response is, fine, I'll kill you! (laughs) Sounds like a different religion to me. Here's what I want you to see, ready? Their defense of Jesus, let me call down fire from heaven. Their defense of Jesus was every bit as misguided as the Samaritans' opposition of him. It was every bit as misguided, their defense was. So what does Jesus do? He rebukes his disciples. He rebukes them, right? And and here's where I think there's a message for us today, because this is where we are in a world that says you have to choose sides, right? We are so caught up in having to defend our point of view. And sometimes that point of view involves church, right? I mean, we don't, we don't say, Lord, let me call down fire from heaven. We're going to call down uh, Facebook memes. We're, we're going we're to call down insults. We're going to call down even theology at times. Let me annihilate my competition, whoever opposes me. Let me just rain down fire from heaven. Man, we've seen this in our country way too much lately, right? We see somebody that's hurting because a black man is shot. And so they post something on the internet or they protest and it makes the news. And we see somebody on the other side that feels a need to defend because they think you have to choose sides. And so they defend the killing of a man by posting the man's rap sheet, or by posting statistics. And I, I love you, but I'm going to tell you, your defense is every bit as misguided as the thing that offended you. And that's the thing we have to be careful of, because Jesus rebukes his disciples for that behavior. He says, that, that's not your place. Your place is to love them, not to call down insults or fire from heaven upon them, right? And that's a hard thing for us to accept. So let me put some skin on it for you, because a lot of you are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not even on Facebook. I haven't done any of that. Okay, that's cool. But let me put skin on it for you. Just, just I'll give you a what if, okay? So I, I shared with you guys last week, I'm still working through the whole grief thing. My dad passed away June 7th. I want you to imagine that after the service, one of you came up to me and said, Pastor, I think it's time you move on. Didn't your dad leave your mom when you were a year old? 
Didn't, didn't he come back and leave again when you were 13? And, and imagine that they just listed everything wrong my father had done. Um, how do you think I might respond this morning after the service? I tell you, I'm, I might be disqualified from ministry. Okay? It might be a good thing that the firefighters are right across the street and the police are just a couple blocks down. It might be ugly, right? Because that, that person's, if somehow they were offended at my grief, their defense would be every bit as misguided, right? Guys, we need to understand this, this truth. Remember we said last week, we can value all life and we can love all people. And, and here's the truth of it, right? As Christians, we have a God that fights for us. We have a God that fights for us. God doesn't need me to defend him. And you know what? I don't need to defend myself. My response, even when somebody offends me, should be a response of love. Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, what's going on? Right? That conversation. And I'll tell you, the Bible says that 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 behavior is actually, well, let me say it's better medicine. It's better medicine. It may heat fire uh, like coals on their head for a little while, but eventually it'll be better medicine. And if you don't believe me, let me just ask you this. When's the last time you struggled with sin, and you don't have to name what the sin is, the last time you struggled with sin, did you change because somebody came to you and pointed it out? That happens occasionally. Or did you change because God convicted you by the power of His Holy Spirit, and He showed you that there was a better way? I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you the majority of the time, 99.9% of the time in my life, It's usually because the Holy Spirit has convicted me and said, there's a better way, my son. There's a better way. Does that make sense? Okay. So we must love and care for those who reject his plan. So what do we do with that? How do we we physically walk that out? I'll give you three things and we're done. Uh, Number one is we talk about how to apply this sermon. I, I would just say simply that we need to set our face on Jesus. Right? We need to set our our face on Jesus. Hebrews Chapter 12, uh, verse 2 and 3 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, ready, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow grow weary and lose heart. We need to set our face on Jesus, right? That, 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 that's the goal. And by the way, like I said earlier, that's going to cost you something, okay? It cost Jesus something. There were no longer a bunch of miracles. There were no longer a bunch of works. Now it was going to be about words. It was going to be about teaching. Jesus had to, had to transition. He didn't change his message, but he changed his methods. And what I'm going to say to you is if, it, if the Son of God, if God in the flesh, if the all-powerful one that made everything, like spoke everything into being, if that guy... If it cost him something, who are we to think it's not going to cost us something to set our face on the cross? It's going to cost us something. I I did um, Travis's job for probably too long, like ten and a half years-ish, and um, a long, long time. And I used to tell teenagers, because I love uh, just the the immediate response and and, and still just feeling, you guys get to go change things that we messed up. And so I did it forever, and I just poured my heart into them. But I used to say to my teenagers, look at me, ready? Look at me, write down who you want to be, put the dream on a piece of paper, and start working at it today. 
And they look at me like, what are you talking about? Because you don't, you don't just pray your way into being a better person. You're not going to magically wake up one day and be a great father and a great husband and somebody that loves Jesus and worships Him with all your heart. You know how you get to be that person? You spend every day busting your butt to get before the Lord in a quiet space and to spend time with Him. Every day, you, you try the Galatians 5, right? Uh, the, love, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. We go, yeah, I want to be that person. Well, that's awesome. But the, the, the Bible doesn't say pray and you'll get the fruit of the Spirit. You know what it says? You get the fruit of the Spirit by keeping in step with the Spirit. That you have a responsibility to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to keep in step. And that's difficult. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes God is sprinting in my life, and I'm tired. I'm like, Lord, I just need a day of rest. I can't get up and read my Bible this morning, right? I just, I need rest. Lord, don't you understand, God, what I've been going through? And he's like, yeah, really? Really? Like, you don't, you don't think I get grief? Really? Hello? I'm, I'm a little stubborn. God gets it, right? And other days... I'm the one that wants to charge ahead. And God's going, no, 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 no. This patience thing, you don't get to charge ahead through. We're going to walk as slow as a snail through this. I'm like, oh, keeping a step with the Spirit really stinks right now. I did this the other day on 45, driving to Houston. I could have got out and walked like that. It's awesome. Setting our face on Jesus is going to cost us something. It's going to. Because you don't wake up and magically become the person you want to be. Every single day to set your face on Jesus, you're going to have to take your eyes off of something else. You're going to have to take your eyes off yourself. You're going to have to take your eyes off off, uh, uh, the, the things that you enjoy doing. Your eyes off your phone. We're going to have to do it if we want to follow hard after Christ, okay? Two, I think this message calls us to trust. If God has a better plan than mine, then I have to trust in that plan. Amen? It's kind of how that works, right? If God is good, and He is, it means that God will always do the best thing for the most amount of people for the longest period of time. That's what it means to be good. Okay? So that means that if God had a better way to do what He wants to do in you, then He would be doing that instead of what He's doing now. Which means that in the midst of what I would call struggling, or or, uh, in the midst of what I would would consider um, difficult times, that I consider it pure joy when I face those kind of trials. Because I know that if there were another way for God to do in me what He wanted to do, He would be doing that because He is good. And so I say, yes, Lord, I, I thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in me and through me. Thank you for this moment. It's, it's the best thing for me. And so we trust in his plan. And, and, and by the way, guys, his plan, like I said, just the same thing. What did the Samaritans want? They wanted blessing and they wanted healing. What did they get? Ultimate blessing and ultimate healing. Just came through the cross, right? But when, when I was their age, there was only one thing I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to teach. I wouldn't tell a soul because like, teachers don't make any money. And people, I thought people would laugh at me. I was a guy that wanted to go be a history teacher. Like, no, you don't, you don't say that in high school. I was like, I'm going to go be a chemical engineer and make a lot of money and drive a really nice car. And then I ran into calculus too. And I thought, never mind. <laughs> Whew. Here's the deal, though. When I became a Christian, immediately, when I accepted Christ, I felt a call to teach the Bible. Immediately. 
I mean, the moment that I said, Jesus, take control of my life, this, I had this burning passion, and, and God provided opportunities like from day one. So I get to do the one thing that I long to do. God, the Bible says God wants to give you the desires of your heart. He knew that I desired to be a teacher. He now allows me to teach his word on a regular basis, week in and week out. It's the best thing I could ever imagine, right? God has a better plan for you than what you can figure out. Submit it to him. Submit your life to him. And, and that thing that you think you want, he's got something even better than what you think you want. It's crazy. That's crazy, Josh, right? You look at me like, I want to play in the NFL. You think, man, God, if God has a goal for me, something in mind that, that is, is he's going to take my desire and he's going to make it even better, right? That'd be pretty sweet, right? I don't, I don't know. Is there like an extreme NFL yet? Is there like, it's not there yet. It's, oh, just wait, right? Something. <laughs> Lastly, we have to respond to rejection with love. We've got to respond to rejection with love. And I would even say respond to offenses with love, right? Okay? Guys, your job is not always to defend yourself or God. We're called to love God and to love people. If you don't believe me that your job is not always to defend yourself, go read the Sermon on the Mount again. Where Jesus says, if someone strikes you on the cheek, get in a defensive stance and pop them with an uppercut. It's not in there. He says, if somebody strikes you, give them the other cheek too. Give them, give them another blank canvas to go at. If somebody tells you that you've got to walk a mile, then why don't you walk two? Somebody asks for your coat, give them your tunic also. Guys, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm just saying it's worth it. This Christian life that God calls us to is radically different from anything that the world would tell you you should try to do. But its, it's results are radically different from anything that the world would tell you you should do. This is the path to true blessing. This is the path to true healing. It's all through the cross. It's all through the cross. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, which is always true. God, we love you. We respond now to you for all that you are and for all that you do. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to do this little thing this morning. And just a, a, a couple of areas I want to speak to as Alan comes to play. Uh, and here's what I want you to So these guys, uh, blessing, um, they all got away. And they spent a week just focused on Jesus. They didn't have their phones, so they weren't on Facebook. Did you? It was, it was better without the phone, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It was. Challenge. I'm telling you, you've got crazy folks trying to drive and play Pokemon Go past my house. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, they are grown people. They are not young. Like, dear goodness. I don't know about the Pokemon part. I just want them to go. <laughs> Listen. Listen, these guys came back and they're on fire because they set their face. They set their face on Jesus this week. That's what you saw, right? You saw a glimpse of glory. You saw a glimpse of what you can be. And it changed you. And you wanted it. And you said it's worth more than all the junk I'm holding on to. Am I right? Okay. So this portion of the church 
probably is covered for this section of the message, but what about the rest of us? Have you been hanging on to stuff? Have you been setting your focus on things that don't matter? If you have, here's the great, here's the great news. See that cross over there? On right there. That cross still works today. Because when Jesus died, He didn't have to be crucified over and over and over again. He died once for all sins. And here's the glory of the gospel. Christ with us. 1 John 1.9, if we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and we, He will forgive us of our sins, and He will purify us of all unrighteousness. That's, the, that, that's beautiful. And so this morning, I'm here to tell you, Jesus will meet you right there again. Jesus will help you fix your eyes on that again. He will help you reprioritize. He, he will help you rediscover your first love. That can happen here for you today, even if you're not a teenager that went to camp. And so I want to encourage you. I, I want to implore you, please, just look there. Set, set your face on it. Yeah, you're going to have a physical moment. You can set your face. You can stand up in a minute. You can look towards it. You can. Okay? Set your face. Some, um, some, some this morning, you, you, you got rebuked a little bit. I'm, I'm one of those folks. One of those folks. I have felt a need in some matters in my life lately to constantly defend. I felt like it is my responsibility to fight. And it makes me a very ugly person. And it's not loving. And it is, it is as close as I can come to, to saying to God, would you rain down fire on that person? Let me disprove every single thing they say. Because they drive me crazy. And because they're not speaking truth. I just want truth, I say. Listen, God's bigger than me. And he's bigger than that. Shouldn't we let him be God? This morning, would you just respond to that? Would you let go of the fight? Would you sit down this morning? So we're going to stand up in a second. Some are going to look to the cross. Some of you, you've been fighting. And, and after I tell everybody to, to stand up, you're going to sit down. You're going to be like, all right, I'm done fighting. That's going to be your symbol to God. I'm done fighting. You're, my, you're, you're fighting for me. I'm done. Okay. But uh, maybe there's somebody here and you just, you're having trouble believing that God's plan for you is better than what you want. And you can feel it. You can feel the friction. And today, I just wonder, would you just yield to say, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done. Simple prayer. It is a prayer that radically changed my life. Radically changed my life. I'm your pastor today because of that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Absolutely promise you. Just pray that prayer, okay? So stand with me um, this morning. We're going to let God uh, move and and do what he wants to do. For some, we're going to set our face. For some, we're going to sit down. We're going to let God start fighting. For others, we're just going to say, God... Your will, not mine, okay? You do what you feel the Lord is calling you to do here in the next couple of minutes. Do it in the spirit of prayer. That's all we ask. If you need to talk to somebody, I'll be right down here, okay? Let's respond as the Lord leads.